0: What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Creates Fatherhood Field Notes Podcast, where we hear real stories from real men living real lives. I'm your guide, Ned Shout. Fatherhood is not only about being a dad. It incorporates providing and serving a home, loving and serving a spouse, engaging and serving in a community, as well as intentionally serving your kiddos. Fatherhood is an adventure, one full of fun, wild, and definitely messy stories. In this podcast, we will hear stories from real men who have found themselves living the adventure of fatherhood. Guys, this conversation with my friend Sean Davis is so good. Sean has put the work into being the man and father that he is today. I really believe you need to hear this. Life is messy, and when you first hear Sean talking, especially about his relationship with his wife, you might go, oh, that must be nice. But later in the podcast and the conversation, he shares vulnerably about the down and dirty work that he put into building what he has today and i'm not talking a decision one day or some work over the course of a month i'm talking years of work years of deciding who do i want to be what do i want this to look like and going to work on himself so that he could be the man he is today and dudes i know that you and i have what it takes to do the same thing i truly believe you need to hear this if you dig it please share it with a friend and or write a review on iTunes. My goal by my 100th podcast, which is coming up, is to have 100 reviews on iTunes. Thank you for your help and enjoy this conversation with my rad dad friend, Sean Davis. What's up, welcome to Fatherhood Field Notes. I'm super excited to be talking to Sean Davis today. Sean, how are you? Hey, doing absolutely awesome. Doing better than I deserve. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Me too. It is hot outside, but I've been working insurance all day and I'm super pumped to pause and talk fatherhood with you. Awesome. Can't wait. Yeah. So to get to know you just will rapid fire, some questions. Um, so our listeners can know, you know, what I'm seeing, what we're talking about. How old are you? I'm 49. 49. And how long have you been growing that beard? (laughs) Well, in earnest for
1: the last three, four months, but uh, really had one since uh, like early last year, 2019.
0: Okay. All right. I love it. How long have you been married?
1: Uh, 26 years. Dude, nice. Made it past years
0: 25 mark.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, together for 31. So we were high school sweethearts. Uh, I met my wife, Jen, when she was a sophomore. I was a senior at Colfax High School. and. Okay. um, Man, I think I sent her flowers and, and a teddy bear on the, on the third or fourth date. It says, I love you very much. And it's been, it's been her and I ever since.
0: Dude, that's awesome. Okay, so let's just pause real quick. Well, h- how old are your kids? Tell me that.
1: My oldest is uh, 24 and okay. then 22, 16, and soon to be 14 tomorrow.
0: Brad. Okay. So are your 22-year-old or 24-year-old married?
1: No, neither one.
0: Okay. So what's your opinion on that? Right. So I got married at 21. And when I'm talking to my 14 year old daughter, I'm like, wait, you know, wait some, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I look at, you know, 30, 32 year olds getting married and and it's like, that has its own set of problems because you've kind of done your own thing, your own way for 12 years. So do you have any opinions on, on that? Cause you're obviously having that conversation with your 22 and 24 year old, like, Hey, I got married when I was you know, this age, or was it at least in a serious relationship, what's your advice to them? You know, it's, that's a, that's a tough thing. I've, I've tried to, um, approach it a little
1: differently. Like to me, it doesn't really matter what age they're okay. at. All I've said to my boys is that w- when the time comes and you're thinking about marriage, you just better make sure you've made the right decision. Like the, the reality of it is, is I, I think that the single largest, mistake that young men can make is getting themselves in a situation where they're marrying the wrong person, a person that, hmm. they, that they know in their spirit isn't right for them, that they know is probably not the right supportive person for them. So like my uh, second oldest son has had a girlfriend for five years. We oh, okay. would love, love, love to have her as a daughter-in-law uh, found out this last week that he just broke it off with her. I think he's just struggling with his own identity. I think a lot of young people today are really having a difficult time finding their way. I think they have so yeah. many different options. You know what he said to me is he's all Dad is tough when you see eighteen year olds making five million a year on YouTube. It's like <laughs> what do I do? Where do I go? Right. Like how do I, right. how do I how do I how do I move forward? So I think he's just trying to figure out himself first before settling down, but. You know, whether it's 21, whether it's 25, whether it's 30, you know, I try not to put too much of what I want on them and just let them continue to to evolve. And when it's the right person, I mean, if they know, they know. Like if if they know, I mean, if centered in God, God loving, you know, you know, uh, honest, loyal, trustworthy person. I mean, they could know somebody for six months or a year. And if they feel it's right, then we'll support that.
0: Yeah, man. I've been saying to my daughter, so I have, you have four sons. Yes. Four boys. Okay. I have four daughters and one son. (laughs) So my, even to my daughters now, my older three are really, uh, 11, 12 and 14. Just choose wisely. Choose wisely. I'm trying to just put that in their head right now. Um, yeah I think man. I think that's the challenge though. I mean I think that's one of the biggest reasons that we I
1: think the fall of the nuclear family and and the fact that there's so many divorced families out there with kids, stepkids, etc. and 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 hey, if you're in a bad relationship, get out, you know? I yeah. I, under, I understand yeah. that, but I just I just really think that a lot of um, some of the challenges that we're seeing even today are the root of it is the fall of the, of the nuclear. Oh man, for
0: sure. Yes. It's such a tough conversation though, you know, because, because like you said, you get, everybody has a story, but I would say that it is an option more than it probably should be, you know, but if you can ingrain in your kids young, like you're saying, choose wisely, make sure they're loyal, really check your spirit. You feel right about this. Um, set yourself up for a little bit more success. It sounds like what you're saying. Yeah, I, I just,
1: you know, it's, it's balancing that fine line between support and being, and being too opinionated. You know, I think I've fallen victim to trying to interject into their lives too many times. And I've realized that, you know, if it's unsolicited advice, you know, as an adult child, it's, it's, that's not really my place. So I'm just trying to figure out the best way to be supportive without being intrusive you know, to yeah. be supportive without being commanding or dictating or whatever. And I, you know, I think the, the best thing that, that my wife and I can do is live by example. I mean, they see the type of relationship that we have. We love each other. We, we were the type of couple we hang out every single day. I mean, I did not realize I transitioned. I sold my financial services practice in 2018 and, uh, you know, on an average day, my wife and I would spend a decent amount of time together, but not not nearly like we do today. I mean, literally today, we're locked at the hip. So much so that our friends call us Shen, you know, S-H-E-N <laughs> for Sean and Jen. You know, you put them together, we're always together at Shen. So, That's funny. you know, I think I think that living by example and then seeing how we treat each other, how we talk to each other, the fact that we love each other. We still got that spark after 26 years. We have yeah. fun. We hang out every day. You know, that's the best thing that I can do for them is to to model the type of relationship that I hope that they strive to have themselves.
0: Yeah, I think that's just so cool that you're even asking the question about not pushing your own opinions too much because on one hand, you're like, hey man, I'm 49, I've lived, I kind of know some stuff. Uh, But if it's not solicited, um, it's not always gonna be taken well. So it's like earning that right for them to wanna come to you, which is the balance as a parent of letting your kid fail, because we all know that we learn from failures as well as from being taught. So that's awesome.
1: I'm not, I'm not saying it's easy. It's been a challenge. No. I mean, I'm, no, I've, yeah. I've been the disciplinarian, I've been the, you know, the business owner, the go getter, you know, like, yeah, I definitely have opinions on what I think they're doing right, and not right. But, you know, I, I think what's more important to me is, is to recognize that I would rather be sought out than to be to be avoided. And so right. in, in that realm, you know, if they're going to come to me, I'll offer my advice. But if not, you know, it's, it's been hard, you know, just biting your tongue and, and let them know, hey, you're going to have to make that mistake. Perfect example is my son is just experienced this. my oldest. son. So we were we were down at our place in Mexico. We have a house down there and uh, we were down there for three weeks and then came back. And then I let my two oldest boys for the first time stay down there for another two weeks. Well, when we went down there, I said, I've had medical care down in Mexico, some of the best care I've ever had. And so I said to my son, he's got a problem with his wisdom teeth. And I said, let's get your teeth taken care of while you're down here. I mean, it's going to be a lot less expensive than it is in states. You need to get them yanked. And he's all, no, I don't want to ruin my vacation. No, I don't want to take the time. And literally, I prompted him three times to let's go get this taken care of. He flies back this past Saturday, toothache starts that afternoon rolls into Sunday, into yesterday, excruciating pain last night. And then he has to go get it yanked today for probably three times as much as it would have cost in Mexico. You know, that's an example I I, I could totally hammer with. I told you so. I told you so. I told right, you so. Right. But the reality of it is, is that that failure, that missed opportunity to get it done down there. He's learned from that. This one instance will make so right. He prioritizes that kind of stuff a, a, a little more next time. So, you know, it's, it's just that sometimes you got to go through the lesson. yourself in order for you to really learn it.
0: Yes. Uh, it's tough to watch as a parent, but like you, like the lesson learned versus, versus not going through it is definitely different, man. Yeah, agreed. So as you've been a dad, what have been some of the best resources to you? You've obviously lived through some stages already and you're currently in a new stage. You know, they're young adults, but what has been some of the best resources for you?
1: Uh, the best resource for me as a dad, you'll find this... Probably the only answer that you've ever gotten this way has been my wife. Hmm. You know, the reality of it is, is that I have a, a tendency to be really intense. I have very high expectations. I was always the disciplinarian. I was always the one trying to shape and mold my sons, and and sometimes too much, so sometimes too far. Sometimes, you know, I just uh, I had expectations that, as I've seasoned as a father, and as my kids have gotten older you know, I realized that they, they come around, but they do it in a different time frame, maybe than I was expecting. And so I think you get wiser as you, as you age and yeah, certainly haven't, I think you've experienced this with five kids, how you're raising your first or raised your first is different than the fifth, just because you have the perspective, you have right. the understanding, you have the experience, etc. cetera. So, you know, my, my own father, uh, he passed away in 2015. We didn't have a great relationship. I'm an only child. I wasn't raised, um, in an environment where I had a lot of great examples of how to be a father. My father loved me. Um, he took care of me. He provided for me. But he wasn't he wasn't somebody that um, did what I would hope to do for my children. You know, the, the the life lessons, the intervention, the conversations, the difficult conversations. And so my wife has has been able to be a great sounding board for me because I have had to try to find it. Myself find my own way in fatherhood. Uh, We have a tight sphere. I don't have a ton of friends. Um, You know, used to have a lot of friends, but that was back in my drinking days. And so ever since I've uh, stopped drinking, I, you know, I keep my, my friend circle real tight. So I think it's been paying attention to I read a lot you know, uh, read the Bible a lot. I look at uh, God, look at Jesus, look at, look at some of the stories in the Bible. I love Joel Osteen. I think his podcast and some of the messages and how he comes across, I mean, they've shaped me, how I parent and how I think. And, and so I think it's been a a combination of things, but I draw inspiration from a lot of different resources. And sometimes the inspiration you draw is, is just knowing you don't want to be like somebody, right? You don't want to say something like somebody, or you don't want to have the same childhood that, you don't want your kids to have the same childhood you had for certain reasons or whatever. So, you
0: know, other than the Bible, what has been the book that has shaped you the most just as being, being an avid reader? Um, probably Covey, the seven habits of highly effective people. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Both in personal and business. I mean, if you understand, you know, begin with the end of mind. you know, sharpen the saw, like you, you, you just, you, you have to have that, uh, that focus. I mean, I, I don't, I don't read, um, for pleasure. I read for change. I, I read for personal growth. You know, that's, that's mostly what I have in, in my own library.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Love it. All right. Uh, in just a few words, cause I'm sure we could talk a lot about this. What would you define the role of a father as?
1: Um, I would define the role of a father as, as, as being the leadership example of how you want your kids to live life. You know, I think the father is the protector. I think a father is a provider. I think a father is a teacher. And so to, to me, the role of the father is, is to, well, number one, let, let me just say this. I think that this is an important distinction. When you decide to have children, what do you want for those children? Yeah, You want them to be happy. You want them to be content. You know, I don't, I don't care how much my money my kids make. I mean, above all else, I, I just want them to be happy. And so I think in order for kids to be happy, though, they need to be prepared. They need to be prepared for the real world. They need to be prepared for what they're going to see. And so I, th- I figure my role as a father is to help mold them and shape them and prepare them to to live in the real world, but always be reinforcing that the most important thing that they can do is, is um, y- you know, take care of their own families and, and pursue a happy life.
0: Yeah, one of the things, yeah, I mean, I love it all. And, and I think the very first thing when you started this off, you said, be the leadership example you know so so i know we're going to get into this in a minute um you know kind of the story we're going to talk about but you being the leader that you want your kids to be so it's not even just like you're teaching them it's like you're going to show them so you're going to change things i mean you said it your library is books about change because you want to better yourself because you know by bettering yourself it's setting your kids up for their life and something that you had said as as we were talking before is that you want them to thrive, not survive. What's the difference to you? Like what, what's the difference between thrive and survive?
1: I think thriving is living life on your, on your own terms. And mm. I think surviving is, is, is just doing that. It's, it's existing. It's, it's persisting. I think a lot of people today are just surviving. They're not oh, yeah. thriving. Yeah. I think to me, thriving is, is, balancing like seven key areas of your life. Like if you're balanced, family, faith, fitness, fun, friends, field, you know, finance, all those areas. I think if you you can live a life that attends to those areas where you're not lopsided, you know, because I I could have been a really easy, I could have been a workaholic. And if Mm. it wasn't for my wife, I probably would have been, you know, like she made me stop. She made me pause. She made me take breaks. She made me do all that other stuff, and it took a while for me to learn that lesson. But you know, I think for me, thriving is is um, living a life based on on your choices. You know, living the life you want to live.
0: Yes. Okay. Which is so rad. For the next question, I'm going to ask uh, about rebel and create. But before I do, I don't want to miss this opportunity. You're clearly strong willed, uh, driver. When you say you could have been a workaholic which a lot of us men can find that value, you know, in our work. How is it that you responded to your wife, right? You said she helped you to see not letting that take over. How did you not just become this driver and disregard, you know, her and the kids and get your primary fulfillment out of work?
1: I think the, number one, it, it took a lot of time. I mean, it, it took time, effort, and energy. I think, honestly, it took me almost losing my family mm. in 2009 to recognize how valuable they were to me. And I think, you know, quite honestly, I think it took a lot of counseling too. I mean, I went through counseling for, we went through couples counseling for two and a half years, almost three years, but I, I continued another four years on my own with counseling. and And my counselor at the time, you know, he he recounted to me uh, a couple of years later, as we were were really kind of getting into it, that he thought I was going to be dead by fifty because of my intensity, because of my focus, because of where you know my attention was, and how hard I was driving, with the stress that I was under, et cetera. He thought I was going to be, he thought I was going to have a stroke or have a heart attack by fifty, and so I think that sat with me a lot. I think it it really um, was the first time I thought uh ah, you know i i i may be going about this whole life thing a little little uh the wrong way and so it it made me self reflect it made me have conversations and and i started to embrace more of those you know, let's take a vacation. Let's get out. Let's do this. I mean, my wife scheduled fun. I mean, there was a time where I hated Disneyland because we were going like four times a year, like for like four years or five years. I'm like, oh, my gosh. But now I look back on those and the kids, those are some of the best memories they have. You know, they just love that. And yeah. So I think, you know, you may not recognize in the moment that you're creating those long lasting memories. But, you, you know, I think over time, I, I, I just had to live enough life and 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 get my kids old enough to recognize, is this really where I want to go? Is this really who I want to be or do I want to change it?
0: Yeah. But man, I mean, you think about that, that time of life, you had a 14 year old, 11 year old, 12 year old, and then two little kids or maybe. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, first off, dude, thanks for sharing because I think that there's still this, I don't think it's there as much, but this stigma about like counseling and going to counseling. And if somebody just heard the first 10 minutes of our conversation and didn't just hear that, they'd think, oh, I can't relate to this guy. You know, he just, it's he's got it going on. Life is good, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, bro, I put the freaking work in, right? Like I looked in the mirror, I swallowed my freaking pride and I put the work in because I saw a bigger picture. You know, so the hope is that other dudes see the bigger picture, but you just said six years of counseling, right? But if we didn't hear that piece and we heard the first part of like, Me and Shen, you know, we're Shen. We're we're joined at the hip. You know, you'd think, man, I can't even imagine having that with my wife, but it's possible. But it's a lot of work, but it's worth it, right? Yeah, I I think, dude, I I love for me. No, that.
1: Well, thank you. And but I'm a huge advocate of counseling. I mean, like we're not, we're not wired to understand ourselves from the get-go. We don't have a rule book. Mm. We don't have an owner's manual, you know? And for me, as a, as a young child, uh, I was in a broken family. I grew up with a stepfather that was very verbally abusive to me. He told me I'd never amount to anything, told me I'd never be successful, told, I mean, just really, really horrible thing yeah. that stayed with me. He was never physically abusive, but, you know, words have power. Yeah, and no the reality of those, those words stuck with me. And I think that, you know, a, a lot of my drive in my early 20s, 30s, etc was was attributable to this. I'm going to prove that guy wrong. I'm I'm going to be as successful as I want to be, as successful as I think it takes to prove him wrong, you know? So, I even look back on that now and wonder whether it was a blessing or a, a curse that he said that to me, but you know, what I had to do with counseling was just reprogram that. I mean, I I remember I was probably 3 years in to counseling. And my counselor just asked me a basic question out of nowhere. I was just flooded with emotion. It was like this little eight-year-old boy in me just all of a sudden rose up and like just tears and just emotion. I'm like, whoa, where did that come from? Well, that was what I was hanging on, like stuffing all yeah, of that down. And, gnarly. you know, and so I like I'm a huge, I don't know why counseling has the stigma that it does yeah, I don't know because either. You know, but I I would say anybody that is struggling in any relationship, if you're struggling in a relationship with your wife, if you're struggling in a relationship with your children, Man, I, I'm a huge advocate of counseling. I think it can do wonders to help those situations because it can it can help to create a situation that's safe for both people to be able to express their feelings. I mean, like I really didn't understand where my wife was coming from with a lot of different things. Right. Until we had the ability to kind of talk through that with a counselor as a mediator and, and to, to be safe and understanding each other's perspective, you know, and so I'm a big fan.
0: Yeah, that's cool. I love that. And I think it's really good for dudes to hear because such an opportunity to not give up on yourself and not give up on your marriage and not give up on your kids if you're willing to do that work. So this leads me to, you know, the the podcast is Fatherhood Field Notes and you're already doing it, right? You're opening up your field notes, sharing your life with us so that we can learn and grow. Um, the The mantra is rebel and create. And for me, this could be as small as I'm rebelling against working till seven at night so that I can get home and help kids with homework or help my wife with the kids or help them, you know, be involved in dinner um, so that I can create this memories with my family to I'm rebelling against the status quo, low expectations of fatherhood that I've been shown my whole life so that I can create this legacy beyond my own life. So, with that in mind, what's something small or something, you know, maybe lifelong, large, large scale that you are rebelling against, and what do you hope to create out of that?
1: Uh, I think the biggest thing I rebel against is the box that everybody puts themselves into. Like, you know, I just I love living life on my terms, living outside of the box, and and what that means to me is that if you take any conventional societal wisdom of this is how you got to do this or this is how you got to do that or you can't do this or you can't do that like I've always had a a difficult time uh being put into any type of box Mm -hmm. and that's that's one of the things that I think that um I really wanted to strive to teach my kids is that you know, like if if you've got an idea, if you've got a vision, if you want to do something, and there is an expectation in society that you're not supposed to or you can't or whatever, then I I, I don't react well to that. So to me, it's just this idea of casting aside. Some of the prevailing conventional wisdom that seems to put people in boxes that they can't get out of. You know, that's you know that's one of the reasons why you know I did a show called Uncommon Investments and Resources. My name is Uncommon Sean. You know, like this whole idea of you know, getting outside of normal and getting outside of ordinary and getting outside of status quo. So that's what I typically rebel against the most.
0: Yeah, man, speaking my language. I love all that. I mean, I wrote down, you know, chart your own course, no restrictions. I really like live life on your own terms you know, and that's, there's something core as a man too, right? I mean, there's a lot of stuff on masculinity right now, but that you can chart your own course that you can pause and self-reflect and go, where do I want to go? What do I want to do? Um, And it's not just about what makes me happy, you know, and, and just trying to live in this fun state all the time, but living a life of purpose, living a life that, that has significance to it. Um, and so clearly, I mean, when you talk about what you want to rebel against, you're creating that uncommon life uh, because, you know, I think in a lot of ways you're looking beyond yourself, the way that you talk about investing in your children, which is really cool. I, I do.
1: And I, and I think, you know, I filter a lot of the decisions that I make through that perspective, because I do, I do want to leave a legacy. I do, I do want to equip my kids and, 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 give them the tools that are necessary for them to be able to thrive in an ever-changing world, you know, and I've had a hundred different examples of, you know, taking the road less traveled, you know, even, I mean, I I literally sold a seven figure a year business, not having any idea what was going to come next, not knowing anything about what was going to come next. Just knowing that I felt God prompting me that I had to get out of it. Yeah. I had to leave it that that season was done. And through that, through that obedience, he's opened up a whole bunch of other opportunities for me that I never would have embarked on or never even would have thought of had that not happened. You know, but I had to have the courage, I had to have the faith to jump without knowing where I was going to land, you know. And I think that example that money isn't everything, right? That you can't, that you can't just strive for that. I think that's one of the best examples I could have shown my kids that like in the future, 20 years from now, if they're stuck in some job or whatever that they hate, that they loathe, that they feel like is, is just hell, you know, they're going to remember their dad walked away from something because money wasn't everything, Mm -hmm. you know, and look at what happened when he did. And so I, 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 you know, and I, I think it's just, I think that that's a beautiful lesson to, to, to show them, to give them as an example, you know?
0: Oh my goodness. For sure. For sure. Um, all right. I man, I love it. I love what you're rebelling against and what you continue to create and what you're going to continue to do. So one of the things that we had brought up is I know you have tons of stories, um, but you had mentioned this a little bit ago and I thought it'd be great to dig into is you said you kind of narrowed down your friends because you stopped drinking. Um, and so like, I'd like to talk about that a little bit cuz I'm sure there's plenty of guys who are struggling with the addiction of alcohol.
1: Yeah, you know, and and for me and I think it was a similar environment to what we're going through right now. I mean, at at the height of my alcoholism, 2009, the stock mm. market had hemorrhaged 50%. The world was uncertain, people were fearful. It was like chicken little the sky was falling. And at that time, being a financial advisor, I would I was compensated by people moving money, by making Monetary decisions by making investments. And so if the stock market had fallen six or 50%, depending on which which indices you were looking at, people were afraid to do anything. And so my revenue dried up, my my pipeline of new clients dried up, and I was going through to satiate myself and and to just deal with that stress at the time. I was going through um, a 750 milliliter bottle. So imagine the big Costco Kirkland vodka bottle. I was going through one of those every two days. Dang. And so um, I'd get home and I'd make myself a martini. If I had a bad day, I'd make myself a martini. It wasn't such a bad day. I'd have a second martini and it was actually an okay day. I'd have a third martini. What day? You know, it's like I don't even remember the day. And and then I'd wake up and then I knew I had a problem when I was drinking in the morning. You know, Mm. I'd take sunny sunny delight sunny d's from my kids and i'd mix that with vodka and i would i would be drinking that and so um so 2009 my business dried up uh my wife and i were about to lose our house we ended up filing for bankruptcy uh personally and i just remember uh, just just an immense weight on me just an unbelievable amount of stress and weight i'm the provider i'm the father what have i done you know, we're losing everything. This is my fault. This is, you know, what my stepfather said about me. I'm never going to amount to anything. I'm not going to be successful. All that was true. You know, this is the kind of stuff I was yeah. thinking in my head. And uh, I just remember I, I felt Jen was fed up. She did not want to to, you know, live with me, acting and, and behaving and drinking like I was. And I just remember um crying out to God. I just said, God, I I, I just I was I was living life as a Christian atheist. And what I mean by that is I called myself a Christian, but there wasn't a lot about my life that would be an example of a Christian life to live. You know, I was more acting like an atheist than I was a Christian. And so I just, I, I cried out to God. I said, Father, take my wife, take my life, take my kids, take my family. Like, I, I just cannot continue to exist like this. I just need you to help me. I can't continue to live like this. And I immediately, it was, it was, it was the most surreal thing. I just immediately felt, um, like something wash over me. It was like, like peace. I felt like, like comfort. I, uh, I wouldn't say I felt held, but in retrospect, as I look back on it, it it did maybe feel like that. And I just felt like things were going to be different. Things Mm. were going to be okay. And, and, um, on that day, you know, I, I never drank again. Wow. Um, doctors were amazed that you know I didn't go through withdrawal symptoms or or whatever. But you know, my worst craving on a scale of zero to ten of having any alcohol after that was like maybe a three. Wow. And so I just felt like God just just relieved me of that. He just he took me from that. And and then a sh- few short weeks after that, um, I got an opportunity to be on on the radio. My business started to change. It, it was just like everything kind of was birthed out of that time. But you know, I'll say going through that was actually um, it, it just a huge opportunity for me. It's a huge growth opportunity. Number one, I knew I didn't want to continue to drink because I know alcoholism, it, it, it's just a cycle that repeats. And so with four boys, I did not want to pass that on. My dad was an alcoholic. He was a happy-go-lucky, funny, drunk, you know, he'd drink and he'd get giddy and stuff. So he, he wasn't like verbally abusive or whatever, but he would drink every day. And so I knew I didn't want to be that example for them. And so You know, I really felt like going through that, going through that that devastation, going through the financial loss, the bankruptcy, the challenges, the person I mean, I remember having a couple hundred bucks in my in my checking account, wondering where the hell I was gonna get my next you know dollars from, you know, but but I was living I was living a better life. I I was I was living a life of Hope and optimism versus what I had just gone through, and I think i 'm forever changed from that. I think having experienced that, it makes you less fearful of failing. Mm. you know I can I, like I never let the bankruptcy define me as a as a person, I never let it sink in or whatever So I mean, you still did go things.
0: through the bankruptcy right yep, so yep, I think that's absolutely. the like an important piece, not the bankruptcy but You know, there's this moment, there's this day where you remember this overwhelming peace, and really, I think that's what people need to understand: is you were given peace. You weren't just given all your problems were gone, right? (laughs) Yes, yeah. You 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 laugh. I mean. I mean, that
1: was, that was the beginning of the two and a half years of counseling. Right. That was the beginning of the six years worth of counseling after that was, I mean, that's when the work actually yeah. began, you know, there was no, there was no genie in the bottle that right. all of a sudden made all my problems go away. But you know, the the reality of it was, is that God, God met me, right. you know, but I, I had to hit that for me, I had to hit that bottom. I had, I had to get to that place in order for me to start listening, to pay attention, to want to change, to to want to move forward. And I, I had to go through that. And, and I think that, you know, that that process being forged in fire, that uncertainty, not knowing, I mean, I, I, th- I think a lot of people are very anxious right now. I, I imagine a gym owner right now, I imagine a restaurateur right now. And I, I imagine them imagining, you know, their life losing everything financially. And I, and I got to tell you, there's a hell of a lot worse things that can happen to you than losing everything financially. Okay. Mm. The, you know, it's just, that's, that's not the end all be all it, it it is what it is. And the reality of it is, is that something new, something better, something maybe more happy can be birthed out of that. You know, it's an opportunity for reflection and change. And, and I think it can make people stronger, or I think it can make them wither. For me, it made me stronger. You know, it, it just, it, it just forged me in that fire.
0: Yeah. And, and I, I hear what you're saying because I, you know as i listen to the story i think sometimes we get confused about the word hope and peace and you're not saying hope and peace is it's hard cuz it's hard to define it's not that it's easier it is easier it doesn't take away the work you have to do but it gives you a sense of i'm worth it i'm valuable i can do this i'm not alone which were a lot of things i think you needed to feel you needed to know you know um and i think that's what a lot of men need to know is There is work to do, but when we finish a job, like if you and I were to build a table together today, there'd be this sense of like accomplishment and work and and connectedness versus us just somebody giving it to us. You know, we'd feel so much different about that table. So I bring it up because I don't want people to think, "Oh, yeah, I just need God to snap His finger and be a genie in a bottle." No, you don't. You need to know you're not alone. And that there's work to be done, but the man you'll be on the other end is a stronger, fitter, faster, smarter, more in tune, and humble man, which yeah. is what you get yeah, from absolutely. God's peace and hope. Um, well, I think, I, think that, I think the biggest
1: mistake that people can make is, is, is assuming that money provides security, assuming hmm. that money provides happiness. It, it, it doesn't. Money, money is, a, is a means to an end. It can come. It can go. You know, right. it, it's just one of those things. I, I think for me, the reality of it is, is that, that that what that time taught me was number one, I felt God's presence, I felt His love. I, mm. But I had to surrender. I had to be on my knees. I had I had to be open. I had to be ready. You know, but I, but I felt it, and I think that that's where that peace comes from. You know, like you you can you can have nothing and still be at peace. You can be going through a a significant trial, but if you lean on your faith. What is faith? Faith is belief without knowing. It's belief without certainty. If you Mm. had certainty, you would need faith. Right. Right. So it's this idea of relying on something that you believe as a higher power, call it the universe, call it God. I mean, whatever your version of, of of an altruistic, all creating, you know, omniscient, omniscient, I can't even say the damn word right. But you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, but this idea that that you know that you can have peace in the midst of trial and tribulation, I think, is really, really important because you can, you know, if you depend on your faith. What I struggle with is how to help people that aren't faithful, because faith is so powerful. Like, I think it's it's so important to have when you're going through those trials. I couldn't imagine going through what I went through without that faith piece you know, because like, because then it's all on you. It's like, everything is on you. And and I just can't imagine that, that that'd be difficult to handle.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what's your opinion on alcohol now? So interesting is I grew up in a, in a, uh, Pentecostal church more, you know, I don't know, rule-based I would say. And it was, (laughs) it was, you know, don't, don't drink. So I, you know, I, drank a few times in my 18, 19, you know, made a couple of fun mistakes and then didn't, (laughs) you know, didn't drink until I was 31. So it was kind of a, a shift for me as I, I really realized that I was actually, I don't know, like internally I was more judgmental and harsh and had my own issues from not. So now it's not a big deal to me, but I'll, I'll drink a beer or have a, you know, whiskey with a friend or whatever. Now and again, what's your opinion on drinking Um, and I'll say it in this way, what is it that you teach your kids about it now that they're at a drinking age?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, um, it's, it's interesting. I think my kids have a completely different perspective of it, having seen what I've been through, Mm. but you know, my oldest as, as an example, my oldest, he's 24, um, he drinks with his friends, he drinks socially, he likes going out to the clubs, he likes, he likes doing that. And I think initially I was um, kind of pissed about yeah. it. I was kinda upset about it. You know, it's like because I felt like it was it was a bit like playing with a loaded gun, right? You know, right. It's, it's, it, but you know, it it kind of goes back to to what I said before, like I think about myself at that age, would I have listened to somebody hammering me? No, don't drink, don't drink, don't drink. You know, the the reality of it is, is I can't expect that they're not going to be around it. I can't expect that they're not going to participate. I've just tried to gently remind them, be careful. Right. You know, whenever you recognize that you're using it as a, as a medium to mask a problem or a hardship or a trial or whatever, that's, that's when it becomes, Becomes really problematic, and I think there's a lot of people that like. I used to think that I couldn't have fun unless I was drinking, right? Because I was really fun when I was drinking. I'm mean, a gregarious, outgoing, fun-loving life the party. You know, like I just thought I couldn't have fun without alcohol. And the reality of it is, is that the longer I've lived, the more I realize that you know, watching drunk people is more fun than anything else. <laughs> and so, and I, and I and I can have a hell of a time, you know, just hike in the mountains and playing in a river, you know, right. it's, it, but you got, you got to get some, some distance, you know, but to each their own, you know, my kids are going to have to go through their own trials and, and, tribulations. I just hope that they look to the example that I set and they remember that. And I think yep. if, if my oldest ever got in a situation where he felt like it was getting the better of him, he would definitely remember what happened to me. He yeah. would definitely put himself in check. And I think that that's all we can ask for, because if you try to hammer him, go, you know, get all pissed and upset and, you know, yell at them for, for drinking in their 20s. I mean, like, come on, like, who, who it, it's very rare that somebody doesn't do that, you know?
0: Right, it's hard to find that balance, though. It's like, because you, you, you know, you, you had a life experience that was, that was serious. It it led you to almost losing everything and thank God it didn't, but it still was a big player in that. And then, like you said, it it can, it can feel like a loaded gun. Um, And so you have that balance of, okay, I don't want to push my kids away where they're hiding things from me, but I also don't want to let them know that just do whatever you want, you know? So kind of like we said at the beginning, It's, it's it's not like I encourage it, but, you know, it's not like I make it
1: a point of contention either. You know, right. it's 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 just one of those things. You know, yeah. it's it's I think that's the hardest thing. I like I'm, I'm coming into an age where I, I I listen twice as much as I speak. And I used to be do it this way, do it this way, do it this way, do it this way. And I I really feel like you know, it was funny. I was having a conversation with a friend yesterday, an actually young friend. Well, let me qualify it. I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday that is the daughter of one of our near and dear friends. and she was just explaining to us some of the things that her parents have said to her and how they're trying to control her and and, and it was just this, I was aghast, you know, mm-hmm. literally at some of the things you know because here's a twenty three year old adult. You know, and yeah, they don't know everything. But also, you got to you got to give your kids some space. You know, you got right. you got to be able to like to your point. You know, like some of the greatest lessons I've ever learned in my life were based on failures. And so, like, I, I I've got to be willing to give that advice. But if they don't listen, sometimes they got to go through it themselves in order for them to get to that place. You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Dang, it's so tough as a parent to be in tune and know when to speak and when not to. But I really like that. You know, listen twice as hard or yeah, listen twice as hard as you speak, you know, because well, you, can, you can always be right. Mm-hmm. And you can end up having no relationship with your kid, right? Because they don't want to hear it
1: because they don't the, the, like, it's the constant reminder that you always know more. You're always going to tell me what to do. You, right? Like you can be right and end up having no relationship with your children. I would rather have a relationship with my children. You know, I'd rather yeah. have them come to me strategically. So how do you, you know, and I, I'm not saying I find it easy to find that balance. And I'm not saying I've been great at it in the past. I'm just it's I'm very conscious of it today. because I think I, I I think I need to be if I'm going to continue to be that friend and that mentor and that that person that can speak into their life when they're 30 or 40. Mm -hmm. Because you know, the reality of it is, is that I didn't have a great relationship with my father in my 20s and 30s, you know, because of some of that, like he was just, I just never felt like he was proud of me or happy with me or whatever. So like, why do I want to be around somebody that's thinks that way. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. Man, it's it's uh, so good too because, you know, sometimes I think a lot of the listeners of the podcast also have little kids um, and to know that you constantly have to be in tune with your kids. It does. It's not going to end when they turn 18. I mean, you know, some of your, your <laughs> biggest stuff, you that know, was the biggest mistake I made <laughs> thinking, Oh yeah. When 18, every, everything's going to be great. You no, know, the kids, the kids are going to be, I don't have to worry that. Yeah, no. no, you're you, cause you want to be engaged with them. You want to have, f- you know, relationship with them. And so that's, you know, um, one last question before we get into my final is you have built a business where your family's involved with you. You know, so you are working with your with your with your uh, young adult children in your business. Is that correct? Yes. So what does that look like? How how does that work? Well, in my
1: oldest, you know, who's the most like me, who is the one that we butted head the most as I raised? You know, he's our project manager. And so when, when I sold my financial services practice, I had no idea what I was going to do. And I knew I could do one thing. One thing had intrigued me, and this was the idea of flipping houses. Okay. And so I've watched enough of HGTV and yeah. watched these people flip houses. I'm like, okay, I'm a financial advisor. You know, like I can create a spreadsheet, I can create a budget. I know I can do this. This is not outside of my realm. So one of the first things that my wife and I did was, was uh, buy a house and proceed to flip it. Well, crazy story was I, I texted my son and I said, listen, you know, we know we, we bought this house. He's like, yeah. And I said, well, we've got demo on Saturday, so we're going to we're going to, you know, just tear some stuff up. So if you want you want to come and have a good time. Why don't you just come and have a good time? And so he goes, yeah, I'm in. And so he comes. And I mean, we take hammers and I, I got videos and I, you know, we're, just, we're just breaking stuff and, you know, just having a good time destroying this house. Right. And he said, well, should I come back tomorrow? And I said, yeah, we still got more work to do. Well, he hasn't stopped since. Like It's just one thing led to another, That's and I cool. never expected to, to work with him in that way because he'd come into my financial services business, and he was our, our front receptionist for a bit, and I ended up having to, uh, to let him go because he'd written on a notepad, I will not work, and I will get paid. Now he was silly to write that down. Silly even more to leave it around where we could find it, both he and, both my <laughs> wife and I. But we're like, I mean, this kid is is just not ready. Like he had ADD. He'd sitting in a desk. Like it was just not his thing. But you know, uh, so I never expected to to work with him. And so once he started working with me, then my second oldest, uh, we brought him in. He was helping with some social media. And then my sixteen uh, year old and fourteen year old, they were masters of demo and destruction. I so bet. they would come. You know, <laughs> we would buy a house and. You know, my youngest would end up on a roof somewhere, you know, looking down at us, playing around or whatever. But, you know, like just getting the kids involved in, in that work, just being physical, being, you know, outside, being together, having fun. I mean, there's nothing more fun than, you know, building things with your hands and ripping stuff up and, you know, going after it. And, you know, there's lessons there, too. You know, yeah. they, they learned what hard work is. They learned to see an example. They learned they they took an example of their father not knowing how to do like I wasn't, I didn't grow up in real estate. I didn't grow up in that, but I'm, what do I do? I jump in, I figure it out. I research it. I try to, you know, so that's an example. One of my best phrases is figure it out. You know, like you, you get, we live in the greatest technological age of humanity, all humanity. Like if you can't Google it or watch a YouTube video, like what are you doing? Like yeah.
0: you, and if you can't, there's an pay. opportunity there to go, to yeah. go do it. If figure you it out. Yeah. Find a way. Yeah. Find know? a way. Man, that's so good. Well, that leads me to my last question. It's about legacy. And so, say, you know, your your kids are starting to get older, but say, twenty years from now, uh, you are peering into the homes of your children. You're out on the street looking through the windows, and you see their families, what is it that you see in their homes? That's the legacy, the character piece. And they might not say, you know, we learned this from our dad, but you'll know that the work you did today and every day with your words and actions led to whatever it is that you see through that window. I think it's a legacy of, of love hmm. and a
1: legacy of commitment and a legacy of, of perseverance. And and hard work, you know, the, re- the reality of it is, is I already know. I mean, I've got some great, great kids. And I'm yeah. sure every dad says that. And I worried about whether or not they were going to become great kids. I mean, my oldest, we went through a phase when he was 18, 19, where I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm never going to have a relationship with this kid. Mm. There's just no way. It was like friction. It was butting heads. It was it was bad. I mean, like every time we got together, it was like a fight, an argument, a letdown. I just felt like I had so many opinions of how he should be doing things that he wasn't doing. He had no ambition. You know, he lived with us for a year and a half doing nothing after a bad relationship, et et cetera. So it was just like one of these really trying, really challenging times. And, uh, we had a couple of really uncomfortable conversations and, uh, you know, he rose to the occasion. Like he really started to, mature out of that. And he, I I absolutely love working with him today. And I love to see him come into his own and, you know my my second oldest you know the, the same thing my third child Brayden i mean that kid oh my gosh that kid pays attention more than anybody you know he doesn't speak a lot doesn't talk a lot mean he's the quietest of the bunch but he's always watching mm-hmm. he's always around when we're having these conversations he's always interested he's always paying attention right so i know my kids are uh, you know I, I feel like i've laid a good foundation for them to be able to reflect back on some of the lessons some of the examples some of the the uh, experiences that they've been able to uh, participate in and uh, benefit from, and I know that they're going to have, I know that they're going to have good relationships. And if it's not, if their parents don't like whoever they're with or whatever, I know that's going to be a deal breaker. But I, I know these kids are. Are I feel like I've done a good job of laying that that foundation. So I trust that what I'll see when I peer into their houses is a committed relationship, a loving family. You know, people that are are thriving and yeah. not just surviving, yeah. you know?
0: Man, Sean, so good. I'm super inspired talking to you and encouraged. Um, just hearing your wisdom, you know, being being a little ahead of me with your kids uh, a little older than mine and, and the the opportunity that I have as a father to speak into their lives. And uh, so, man, I just so appreciate you sharing your wisdom with us and just keep being yourself, man, loving your family, <laughs> loving your wife, uh, inspiring your kids and people around you. So so thank you for your time today and, and thanks for the father that you are. Uh, cause our world is in desperate need of of great fathers.
1: Well, you're welcome, thank you for your kind words and uh, I'm just doing my best and I'm sure you're gonna be awesome. You know, you just you just above all else, love, listen, you know, self-reflect, you know, I haven't been a perfect mm. parent, but I've tried to learn from my mistakes. I've tried to always, you know, back off. I've talked with my wife a lot. Do you think I handled that the right way? What could I have done? You know, like it's 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 a team effort. You know, it's not it's not just you as a father. It's you as a as a father and your wife as a mother, and it's it's you as a team. You know, raising those kids. And I, I'm sure if you guys collab and and talk a lot, you'll you'll do great. Right on, man.
0: I appreciate it. Dudes, I told you it was going to be good. I hope you're stoked. I loved hearing Sean's stories. I really am so thankful for him being vulnerable, sharing about his bankruptcy and his job change and his constant self-reflection to to be in tune and the work that he put in. I mean, six years of counseling, And it's worth it. And you hear his voice now, guys, we need to be that intentional that we're willing to go to battle, that we're willing to rebel against the status quo. And Sean is such an amazing example of that. So I hope that you are as inspired as I am hearing his story and that you desire, like I do, just to keep pressing in to loving and intentionally fighting for the relationships that matter most and for the role that you and I are called to. We are fathers and that matters. Hey, every Monday I put out this fatherhood field notes podcast where I interview great dads. Hey, if you think of a great dad that you would like to hear on here, shoot me an email net at rebellioncreate.com. I also put a podcast out every Friday. You can find it under this uh, Rebell and Create, but it's called Craft of Fatherhood, where I discuss a question sent to me by a dad. So feel free to shoot me a question. I definitely don't have all the answers, but I love talking about fatherhood so we can discuss anything. Uh, Thank you to all your dads out there listening to Rebell and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Do not be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in the craft of fatherhood. And if you don't mind, go take a minute and write a review on iTunes. Help me get to that 100th review by my 100th podcast.